Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 says but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness church aren't you thankful for the amazing grace of God amen amen well welcome to the first Sunday in 2020 if you yeah, that's right that's right hold those wounds for a second though because I want to begin this year by praising God if you've already looked in your bulletin you noticed that in the month of December we raised seven thousand six hundred and thirty four dollars and sixteen cents for Lottie Moon. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And you take your generosity with all the, the Southern Baptist churches. That's people who have never heard the gospel who are going to hear the good news of Jesus Christ in 2020. And that's a reason to praise the Lord. So thank you for generosity. Well, welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. If this is your First time with us. Uh, do us a favor, if you will, inside your bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information, tear that tab off, put it in the offering plate. You can give it to one of the staff when on your way out. We just want to get to know you better, and that helps us get to know you better. So we're delighted to have you uh, here on this first Sunday in 2020. Remain standing and welcome those around you, please.
Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside.
God, we thank you for this new year, for the start of something new. We just give this year to you. God, we pray that you uh, will be glorified through our life. God, that we will build our lives around you. There's nobody greater than you, no pursuit uh, greater than aligning our hearts with yours. We pray that that will be what we accomplish and, and what, our, what we strive for in 2020. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this new year you've given upon us. We just look at these times of tithes and offerings and ask that you bless this to the furtherance of your kingdom. That everything would be done in your name.
We have the kids come right up front here with me. So happy new year. I like your shirt. You're matching Lauren? That's awesome. God, happy new year. Yes, it's over, isn't it? Tree is up. That's good. How many of you stayed up till midnight on New Year's Eve? Y'all did? Two of you? All the way up? You didn't stay up till midnight. Crazy. I know you didn't. You fell asleep at like eight. <coughs> What's up, buddy? So, how many of y'all have heard of New Year's resolutions? What is it? What is a New Year's resolution? try to do it ourselves, are we going to be able to do it? No. We need God's help. We need the Lord's help. So we pray to the Lord. We ask the Lord for his help. Everything that we do, okay, no matter how small that task is, then we're going to have a lot better chance of making that succeed every time. Okay? So I want y'all to do that. I want you to pray for whatever. Even if it's, you know what, Lord, I really want to be able to get up earlier every time. Pray so that you can get dressed faster so you can get ready to go to school. Y'all are all excited about going back to school, right? We're not. Well, then, there you go. Pray for God to help you stay excited about going back to school. And you'll have a lot. And you'll have a really cool school week. How's that sound? All right? Let's pray today. Dear Father, Lord, we, we thank you for being there for us. Lord. All we have to do is ask, Lord. You will help us succeed in, in every way that we need. Lord, uh, be with us as we go through this week. Thank you for all that you do. Every day. In the name we pray. Amen. And again, if you say.
Amen. Standing, if you will, turn to the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 7. Chapter 7, we're going to read verses 6 through 10. Ezra chapter 7, verses 6 through 10. And we remain standing in awe of the inspired, infallible, authoritative word of God. Six, it says, This Ezra went up from Babylonia. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses that the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. And the king granted him all that he asked, for the hand of the Lord his God was on him. And there went up also to Jerusalem in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king, some of the people of Israel, and some of the priests and Levites, the singers and gatekeepers and the temple servants. And Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. For on the first day of the first month, and to go up from Babylonia, and on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem, for the good hand of his God was on him. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Pray with me. Father, we echo the words of the songs that we have already sung this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in this place. And oh God, how we pray that you would indeed revive us again. And my prayer specifically this morning as we enter into a, a new year is that you would revive us again in our love for your word. God, that you would just clearly show us this vital, necessary, important, God, the word is to us, that you have spoken, you have come, and you have a word for us, and you want us to be people who, who know and study the word, people who live the word, people who are then sharing the word of God. And so Lord, if we're not doing that, we pray that you would convict us of that. Lord, if we are doing that, then we pray that your spirit would just enable us to know more and learn and understand more that we might be changed more more we might love and honor you for you are worthy of our praise in jesus name we pray and all god's people said amen, amen. you may be seated i'm excited about the year 2020 uh, for obvious reasons right a new year a new beginning a, a new chapter in in my family's life being here in, in the life of, of Northside Baptist Church, but I'm also excited about 20, uh, because if you're like me, you love athletics, you like sports, and in 2020, later this summer, are the Olympics. Um, I like the Winter Olympics, but I prefer the Summer Olympics because USA dominates in the Summer Olympics. Uh, we're not always not one or two in the winter. We're getting better, but man, in summer, when you look at the end, if it true when you look at all the medal count like America right we're just way up there we, we dominate and so at the end of July beginning of August athletes from around the world greatest athletes are going to gather this year in Tokyo right and, and you, you they show up whether it's volleyball or basketball or swimming or fencing whatever it is they don't show up and just say okay here I am four years later let's do this like without practicing without putting any time or effort no, we know that what we're seeing those two and a half weeks is the result of months and years of dedication, determination, and discipline. And I lack some of those things, and that's why I wasn't maybe a better athlete than, 
I was, right? You have to be dedicated and determined and disciplined. And I watch that and I admire that. Right? I think Michael Phelps, who won all those gold medals and won Summer Olympics, and his dedication, determination, and discipline. And I think, man, I want the same. But what I want the same of is I want that same dedication, determination, and discipline to know God and to know his word. So we come this morning to Ezra chapter 7. And in Ezra chapter 7, we are introduced to this man named Ezra. Verse 1 says, Now after this, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Zariah, son of Zariah, son of Hilkiah, and probably butchered these names, and it continues, son of, son of, son of, until you drop down to verse 5, son of Adonah, son of Phineas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the chief priest. So we're introduced to this man named Ezra, and we, we want to know who is he. Well, we know off the bat he's a priest, right? He comes from a long line of priests, and in fact, when you take the lineage back, he comes from Aaron, who was a chief priest. Priest, but we also notice verse 6 this Ezra went up from Babylonia. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses. So not only was Ezra a priest, but he was a scribe. Now, what is a scribe? Maybe when you think of a scribe, you think of someone who reads and writes and keeps records, and yes, that's true. But in the Old Testament, scribes were more than that. Scribes were experts, it even says here, skilled in the law of. Moses. They were experts in the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. They were teachers and interpreters of the law. So they knew the law and they would interpret the law. What else do we know about Ezra? Well, verse 6 says this Ezra went up from Babylonia. Ezra had been taken into captivity. Right? Ezra had been in exile and he's returning from Babylon back to Jerusalem. This journey took about four months. It was about 900 miles. Are you thankful that it does not take you four months to travel 900 miles in 2020? Praise God for that, right? We can get to places faster. So here's what's going on. God's people had spent the last 70 years in exile. And they're returning home to Jerusalem in waves. They're coming back in waves. And as they're coming back, having spent 70 years in exile, what they needed was instruction in the law. Many of them maybe grew up in Babylonia. They, they didn't have access to the law. Maybe they weren't as familiar with the law as previous generations. And so they needed God to raise up somebody who was an expert in the law of Moses and could teach them. Enter Ezra, whom God has set apart, God has raised up, to teach the people how to live. And our focus this morning is going to be on verse 10. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. It says Ezra had set his heart. It means to establish, prepare one's heart. He had set it firmly. Uh, the CSB says he was determined. He had set his heart, the heart being the center of the human life, that which rules one's very being. The heart was the seat of emotions, affections, desires. Ezra had determined, had set his heart to study 
the law of God. Here's a man who was determined to know God by knowing the word of God. In other words, Ezra's heart is pointing to God. He set it on God. Because he knew the only way to know God more intimately and fully was by devoting himself to the word of God. To him it would have been the Torah. For us, it's the canon of scripture. He was devoted to the word of God. So as we enter into 2020, let me just ask you a couple questions here to begin. And then there's three truths I want us to, to see here from Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. First question, what are you setting your heart on? What is your heart set on this year? What are you determined to do or to accomplish, right? Uh, the resolutions, what are you determined to do? What are you preparing your heart to accomplish? Right? We turn the page, we enter into a new year, but we also enter into a new decade. So this morning, here's what I want to simply do. I want to point out three things to you that we see in the life of this man that I believe 2020 the world needs to see in you and I as believers in Christ. This is what they need to see. Where we, in a sense, are living in exile. We're in a world, that, in a culture that seems to be spinning more and more out of control. And so as Ezra is returning back to Jerusalem and things are uncertain and they don't have a knowledge of they needed somebody to teach them. And so let me just challenge you this morning with three things. Let me start with this. Number one, in 2020, may you and I be determined to know the Word of God. May we be determined to know the Word of God, to study the Word of God. So Ezra here is a great example for us to follow. May we be men and women who set our hearts to study God's Word. To study means seek with care. It means to search, to pursue. Ezra is pursuing the Word of God. Now the question first then becomes why? Why should we study the Word of God? Why am I devoting an entire message this morning to the Word of God? Because of how vital and important the Word of God is. I'm going to read several scriptures for you. The references that I'm going to read, they're all on the screen. So if you write those down and study them, in, in further detail, but listen to what some of the scripture says. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, 18, open my eyes that I might behold one things out of your law. Church, do you believe that God's word contains wonderful things? Amen? And the reason it contains wonderful things is because this is the word of God. And you have the word of God before you to read, to study. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. This is the living Word of God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I love Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living and active. God's Word is alive, right? It is a sword. God speaks to us through His Word. God has revealed Himself to us through His Word. God us through his word. God leads us through his word. We need his word. Colossians 3 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In the Old Testament, we see the importance of the people of God reading and hungering and thirsting for the word. Deuteronomy 6, 6 says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. 
Psalm 1 verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates what? Day and night. Listen to this verse. In Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 3, we read this. And they stood up in their place, and from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. Just let that sit there with you for a second. Maybe some of you don't love to stand. And you might think, man, we stood for a really long time at the beginning of the worship service to sing. Just be thankful we didn't stand for six hours. So the next time you say, man, I just want to sit down, just remember we could stand longer if you like, right? Six hours, a quarter of the day would be six hours for us. They stood reading the word of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So church, if we can't live without God's word, then that means we must be men and women who feed on God's word. Be men and women who know God's word. But hear me, this isn't rocket science. You can't know God's word unless you what? Read God's word. You can't know it unless you read it. And now sometimes, right, we get pushback. I've heard people say, well, well, I can't read. I, I'm not very good at reading. And, man, I understand that. Some of us, maybe we can read faster than others and we can remember uh, better than others. But, man, you're living in 2020. Like, you don't have to necessarily read God's Word if you struggle to read it. You can listen to it. So I, I downloaded this app a couple months ago and like most things, it costs money. There's a subscription. I wish it was free. It's not. But it's called Dwell. D-W-E-L-L. -L. And so you can go in there, and they've got most of the Bible, not all of it yet, but most of it, where it'll read it to you. So January 1, like some of you, I started a reading plan. And so what I've done every day, except for this morning, uh, I listen to it uh, instead of doing what I've done the first four days. I've had the Word of God in my hand, reading it, and I'm listening to it on headphones. And there's different voices, different accents, music playing in the background. And I don't know if I do that the entire year, but I found it so helpful not only to be able to read it, but to hear it. Now, this morning on the way to church, I just was listening to it. And that's harder for us to listen without having it in my hands. But if you struggle to read, don't use that as an excuse not to get in the Word. Because you have access, you have easier translations that will help you. Now, other people say this. Well, I don't like to read. Any of you not like to read? Some of you, just you're just not readers. I don't like to read. And sometimes I like to push back on that a little bit. And I, I want to ask you, if you're one of those ones who you're not reading the Bible because you don't like to read, let me just ask you this. Do you read novels? Do you read biographies? Do you read fiction? You're like, no, I told you I don't like to read. Okay. Are there any magazines that you'll pick up and read? You say, no, I told you I don't like to read. Right? Do you surf the web in any capacity reading anything? News, CNN. You say, no, I told you I don't like to read. All right. Do you check Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? All of that is reading. All of us read to some extent. And so sometimes we use these excuses as to why not to read. J.I. Packer well said, if I were the devil, one of my first aims would stop folk 
from digging into the Bible. And church, I fear the devil's been successful. Lifeway Research a couple years ago surveyed more than 2,900 Protestant churchgoers and found that while 90% of the 2,900 who were polled said they desired to please and honor Jesus in all that they do, only 19% personally read God's word every day. So if that's true, then that means only 20% of us in here this morning actually read God's word every day this week or almost every day this week. C.H. Spurgeon said, God sends every bird its food, but he does not throw it into its nest. God has spoken to you and I through his word. And I believe he does amazing things when we get in the word and read it, but just like that bird has to leave its nest to go find the food, you're going to have to open up the Word of God and start digging and seeking. And when you do, you will come to know Him more fully. Hear me. No one in this room on December 1st of 2020 is going to say, I accidentally read through the Bible this year. I don't know how it happened, but miraculously I, I read through it. Right? If you don't have a plan, if you aren't determined to know God's word, you're not going to know it. So hear me. The point of the message this morning is not to do a guilt trip. It's not to beat you up. It's not to say shame on you for not reading. The point is more simply to remind us how important it is. And to say this to you. If you don't have a plan yet for 2020, come up with a plan. I'm not saying read five chapters a day. If you don't read it all, five chapters a day might be awesome, but you'll probably quit in two days. Five verses. Find a devotion that's solid, biblical, theological. Get in it. Set aside a time every day. Be intentional. And as you're intentional, God will change your life. One of my best friends in Florida, his name is Donnie Graves. Donnie Graves and I started about five years ago praying once a week. Tuesday mornings, it started at 5.30 in the morning. We'd meet in our sanctuary. A couple of years as we go, we added a couple more, and we, the days would have to shift back and forth. But for the first four years, I man, it was just he and I. And right about the time that we started meeting, Donnie decided to start reading the Bible through. He has done that now for five years in a row. And I will tell you, his knowledge of the Word his wisdom about the word and his faith has grown exponentially just by consistently opening God's word and reading it. Ezra set his heart to study God's word. Have you set your heart to read and to study? But is studying and knowing the word enough? Is it enough just to read it? I would say no. For there's something else that we learn here, verse 10. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it. So secondly, notice we're to not only study, but we're to live the word. We're to obey the word. We're to put the word in practice. You see, church, the word of God needs to go from your head to your heart. It has to travel from here to here. It's not enough just to say, I know it, but are we living it? Are we doing it. So let me give you three quotes that I've written uh, along the way over, over the years that, um, that have kind of stuck out to me and sort of 
throw them up there and make a couple comments on each one of them. So here's the first thing, uh, first, first statement. To know the word and not do it is hypocritical and disobedient. If you know the word of God and choose to obey it, that's hypocritical. It's hypocritical. You and I are called to obey God's word. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He goes on to say, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Luke eleven twenty eight 28 says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now understand, we're not going to keep the word of God perfectly. In a sense, we are all hypocrites. We welcome more hypocrites to come join us, right? We've been saved by the grace of God. We're not perfect, but we have been changed. But when you and I know what the word says and we don't do it, that's hypocritical. Second statement, I really like this one. If a Christian is careless in his Bible reading, he will care less about Christian living. I don't know where I read that from, but man, that just that hit me. Why does it seem that so few Christians are living out their faith? Why does it seem like in 2020 so few Christians are living like Jesus? Well, because if the statistics are correct, only 20% of them are actually in the Word of God consistently. And if 20% is accurate, then that means at least things. Most Christians don't really care about living for Jesus. Because we can't live for Jesus if we're not in His Word. Or it means this. If you're not in the Word, then you don't know what it means to live for Jesus. You can't live like Jesus if you don't even know how Jesus lived. But you can't love one another if you don't know what it looks like to love one another. You can't serve in the church if you don't know what it looks like to serve in the church. And so it is necessary for us to be in the Word and to let the Word be in us. How many of you, hands, you only ate one meal this past week? Anybody? That would be nice. Probably all lose weight that way. Right, you don't eat one meal a week. Coming to church on Sunday mornings is wonderful, and I believe it is important, and I believe it's necessary for your walk with Christ. You can't feed on one 30-minute sermon or one 45-minute to an hour-long Sunday school lesson and live the rest of the week on that. You've got to be in God's Word. And the third statement is take hold of the Bible till the Bible takes hold of you. Get in the Word of God until the Word of God begins to take hold of you. I love what Howard Hendricks says. The Bible was not written to satisfy your curiosity, but to make you conform to Christ's image. Not to make you a smarter sinner, but to make you like the Savior. Not to fill your head with a collection of biblical facts, but to transform your life. Dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. In fact, you are either in the Word, and the Word is conforming you to the image of Christ, or you are in the world, and the world is squeezing you into its mold. Church, you know what America needs? She needs men and women who not only know the Word of God, but who are willing to live out, even if it's not popular, even if it costs you. They need to see that we believe what we say we believe, that we're authentic in our faith. The Word of God has gotten a hold of us, that Christ has changed us, and we want to follow Him. We want to live for Him. So here we see this man, Ezra. He studied the law. He 
did the law, he obeyed the law, but then look at this thirdly, and to teach statutes and rules in Israel, to share the word, to teach the word. Ezra set his heart to study and obey the scriptures, but he didn't stop there. He also wanted to teach, to share the word with others. The word teach, the Greek translation of the Hebrew word, translates it didasso. It means to provide instruction in both a formal, informal setting. So listen very, very closely, because this is really, really important. Every follower of Jesus Christ. So if you have given your life to Christ, this is you and this is me. Every follower of Jesus Christ is called to teach the Word of God. I don't necessarily mean in a formal setting. Maybe you are not given the gift to teach. You can never get up here right, and do what I'm doing or even teach a Sunday school class. But you're called to teach. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said, go and make disciples teaching them. You catch that? But he says, don't go before them, but then he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make disciples. How do we go and make disciples? Well, you can't make disciples without teaching them what a disciple is and what that looks like. So you and I are called to teach. We are called to share the word of God. Now, how do we do well, There's many ways that we do this, right? We think primarily maybe of our own family, our own children. Teaching them formally and informally, right? We teach them, but we not only teach them with our words, maybe more importantly, we teach them by example. By example. Not only tell them what to do, we show them what to do. And that has to be consistent. Not perfect, consistent. I remember years ago, uh, my, one of my best friends uh, got his driver's license, and he was learning how to drive. And I remember him telling me the story. His dad was in the passenger seat, and he was driving, and he came up to a stop sign, and a new driver, he did what many of you, shame on you, still do. You don't really stop. You just kind of roll through. You know what I'm talking about? It's not a stop. You roll through. And so he did that. He came, and he didn't stop. He rolled through it. And I'll never forget this. He, he remembers, I remember him telling his dad wadded up a piece of paper and started hitting him with it. Dad, what are you doing? And his dad said, you want me to stop, or do you want me to slow down? I like that. Right? He was trying to teach him, you don't slow down at a stop sign. You stop at a stop sign. But I remember thinking, when my friend was telling me that, I remember thinking, well, I wonder if his dad always stops at the stop sign. See, it's easy for us to say something, but we're not also doing it, right? There's an inconsistency there. So we teach parents, we teach our children to read the Word of God. But do they see us reading the Word of God? We teach them to pray. We're modeling that prayer life for our kids. We teach them going to church is important, but are we complaining all the way to church? Are we consistent are we modeling that for them we teach them that you're to forgive but are we willing to forgive and we teach them look when you mess up you need to repent when is the last time you went to your son your doctor you messed up and said hey i blew it forgive me for not what the lord wanted me to do you see we have to model this in our lives but there are many 
simple ways that we teach. We teach in a classroom setting. One of my one of my favorite things I've done so far in the last month and a half is to visit different Sunday school classes. Um, and some of you, it's just all women. And so it's just like me and, and all of you women. I've been to two of them already. There's another women's class I'm going to go to. And listen to me. Here's what I've learned a month and a half in. We have some phenomenal teachers in this church. And if you are not involved in a Sunday school class, get involved in a Sunday school class. And we start at 9.15. I had to stand on the wall because I was a couple of minutes late uh, in the ladies' class, right? But we have phenomenal teachers. Get involved in a Sunday school class. Learn. Get alongside of people who will help. You can do a Bible study in your home. Open it up to your community. Open it up to your neighborhood. See if anybody will come. You can study God's Word one-on-one. -on -one. You can even use Facebook, avenues like that to teach the Word of God. So listen to me. We can't teach unless we first study and seek to live it out. This is really, really important. Once we've studied it, once we realized that it's absolutely vital to our lives, and once we're determined we're going to live it, you and I must be men and women who teach what it says, not what we want it to say. So if you walk into my office after church and you're welcome to come into my office, you're going to notice an 8.5 by 11 piece of paper tape next to my computer. It's yellow. And it's a quote by R.C. Sproul, which is going to appear on the screen. It says, you are required to believe, to preach, and to teach what the Bible says is true, not what you want the Bible to say is true. Our world and our culture needs believing Christ who will know the Word, live the Word, and teach the Word. Not what they want to hear, but what the Word of God says is true. The moment... The moment that I start deviating from the Word of God, the moment you throw me out of this church. If I am not preaching the Word of God, then you don't want to waste your time with me being up here. We preach what the Word of God says, whether you like it or not, because thus saith the Lord. So let me ask you some questions as we close. Again, just to kind of challenge you as we enter into this new year, this new season of our lives. Are you right now reading God's Word? I'm, I'm not asking you to point fingers at whether your kids or your spouse. I'm asking you right now, draw that circle and you and look only at your own heart. Are you reading God's Word? Are you studying God's Word? Is there a promise in the Scripture this morning you need to cling to? If you are not reading faithfully, Will you repent of that? And will you this morning seek the help of God? To say, God, I've tried. Uh, what Daniel said, right? I've tried. If we try to do things on our own, it's going to fail. So it's not, God, here, I'm going to muster up the strength to do this. No, it's, God, I want to do this, but I can't do this alone. Spirit of God, help me. Help me to do something that's going to change my life. Give me the strength to do that. Let me ask you a couple other questions. What is God currently teaching you right now? What is God currently teaching you in your life through the Word of God? And are you actively sharing that with those around you? Are you letting other people know, hey man, this is what is sweet. This is what I read this morning. Let me share this with you. This is what I read last night. Can we, can we talk about it? Can we think through it? Are you living out God's Word? 
Is there a sin that you need to repent of this morning? Is there a command that you are failing to keep? Is there a teaching that in your pride you have resisted or you've resisted and need to repent of that? Listen, I'm an imperfect father, husband, pastor. Right? My sons don't need to look to me to be their son. But in my life and in the way that I live, my number one job is to point them to the Savior. It's to point them to Jesus Christ. And I cannot effectively nor faithfully do that apart from the Word of God. So here was Ezra. And a large group of Israelites, after 70 years in a foreign land, going back home. And they were in desperate need of the Word of God. You and I are currently living in a foreign land. And one day, we're going home. And eventually, Jesus is going to take this land and he's going to get the new heavens and the new earth. And while we're passing through this life, there are people around us who need, who need Jesus Christ. They need the Word of God. Will you be the person who says, I'm going to get in the Word, I'm going to know it, study it, live it, and teach it to the best of my ability, leaning upon the Spirit of God? And if you're not doing that, I want to invite you to commit your life to do that today. Seek the forgiveness of God. Seek His grace. Seek His mercy. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, Christ is Lord and Savior. You don't know the truth that we know in His Word. I'm going to invite you to come and give your life to Christ. If you need somebody to pray with you, I want to invite you to come. We'll have people who will pray with you and encourage you any way that we can. But as we enter into this, this new year, I'm not big on resolutions because I break them in two days. And I just want us to take a few moments just to seek the grace of God, to ask for His Spirit to help us, and just to recommit ourselves to the Word. Because in the word we come to know the Father and our Savior. You pray with me. Lord God, as we come to this moment, Lord, we just want to remove all distractions. And God, that's hard. We kind of touched on that in, in, in the women's school class this morning, how hard it is just to be still, to, to really focus. We're distracted, and yet you say in your word, be still and know that I'm God. So Lord, before we dismiss from our worship service today, before we begin to have some edifying conversations, before we go to lunch in hopes of loving on somebody or maybe sharing the gospel with them, Lord, we just want to spend some time with you. And we ask that you'll examine our heart, that you'll speak to us. And if we don't know you, Lord Jesus, that the Spirit of God will move in us powerfully, that we'll come to know you. Lord, help us to know more of the Help us to grow in wisdom and knowledge, to gain that this year as we submit and humble ourselves to you. And Lord, I pray for those who are struggling to get in the word. Lord, I pray for deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ. God, that they'll, they'll be set free and, and Lord, that they'll come to know the goodness of you through your word. And that you'll give them that. Lord, we're going to stand here in just a moment and we're going to sing. And Lord, it's time for us to worship, a time for us to respond. So, Lord, may we do that as your spirits to our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. The altar is always open. You can come and pray. Uh, see God's face as we sing together.
Lord, in this moment, the Spirit of God would just breathe on us. Lord, we're about to walk to a hostile world. We're about to walk out, Lord, having the Spirit of God moved in us. And the moment we get in that car, if not already, Satan is just going to start throwing those fire darts at us, giving us all kinds of excuses. So we just pray, Lord, that we'll be girded up in the armor of the Lord. And we'll go out in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that as we go, men and women will come to know the name, the glory, and the love and the majesty of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to be for just a moment. Uh, Chris is going to come. Uh, he's got an announcement he's going to make about Upward, which I am really, really, really excited about that while he's coming point out to you that next uh, Sunday, uh, right after the worship service, we're going to have a spaghetti dinner. That's uh, $5. That goes towards missions um, to, to prepare for that, and so sign up for that, and uh, I want to encourage you to participate in that. All right, so another upward season is upon us, and there's a misconception that upward is primarily a sports program, that it's for people who like sports or are good at sports or their kids are involved in sports. It's only secondarily that. It's primarily about evangelism. It's for people who are into evangelism and interested in fulfilling the Great Commission. In Acts 1, Jesus said, you'll be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, upward is our chance to be a witness to our Jerusalem, our Judea, Noonan, and, Noonan and Coweta County. Um, Jesus told us to be fishers of men. I think he used this analogy every time, but if you're going to fish, you got to have hooks in the water. Upward is a, is a hook in the water, a big hook in the water. Uh, you got to go where the fish are or get the fish get the fish to come to us. We get the, a lot of fish to come to us. In the course of an upward season, between the bears and their parents, friends and family members, we'll have 400 people step on our campus who don't go to church. Most of which don't go to church anywhere, and those who do go to church you know, aren't necessarily safe. The majority of those people are unsafe, so there's a lot of fish that, are, that will be there for us. Um, and I would ask you, during the course of a week, how much evangelism do you get to do? I don't mean uh, inviting people to church necessarily or just even talking about spiritual things or even sharing your testimony. But how many how many people do you get to say, hey, God's your creator and he's holy. you're his creation, but you're not holy because of the fall you've sinned. Jesus is the answer. He created a way for you to have a right relationship with God and you need to repent and believe. How often do you get to have that conversation a week? For honest, probably not a lot, but with Upward, we have a ready-made captive audience. We'll have 10 to 12 boys or girls each week and their families you get to share that message with for a 10-week period. And, you know, what more could you ask for? So if you're interested in doing those things, we're going to have an informational meeting on one, one of them on Wednesday the 15th, a week from this Wednesday at 6 p.m. at church, and then the following Sunday the 19th at 4.45. Informational meeting, if you're interested in doing anything, we're in need of uh, first through third grade coaches and assistants and some referees. And what we need team sponsors, people who will take the roster and just pray for the people on the list and, and make contacts with them. Um, so if you're interested in doing any of those things, we we'll hope you get one of those. Our first evaluation is the 25th, uh, Saturday the 25th. And I'll leave with this little little short rhyme. The only church that will grow is the church that will go. So I hope you'll come and go with us and grow with us. Hope to see you on the field. Really excited about getting to participate uh, in flag football. I was able to come uh, the first time that we stepped foot on this property. Uh, was when you got doing soccer and tried to be incognito and, and blend in. But, man, when you turn into the parking lot and you see all of those cars and all of those people, 
who are, as Chris said, on your property, that's worth pursuing. And so, man, sign up, volunteer, uh, get involved. I'm going to coach a flag football team. We're going to probably be horrible because I'm not a great coach, right? But uh, I don't know, maybe we'll be, who knows? We'll see. Um, maybe I'll find a different calling. Um, probably not, though. I guess if I ever stop preaching the word of God, I can fall back on flag football. Maybe I don't know, uh, but but involved uh, with that. Uh, Philip is the deacon of the week, and so he's going to pray. Woman, let me just point out that we do have a special visitor with us today. Wayne and his wife are here from the Western Baptist Association. Not director of missions, what I've always called you. I can't remember what's your actual. There you go. Sounds better than director of mission, but our associational missionary. And so I appreciate all that Wayne does for the association and the church and the association as we work together to take the gospel uh, to a lost and dying world. And so thank you for being here, brother, and for all that you do. If you'll stand, Philip. And if any of you have doubts of your coaching ability, like Aaron said, he does. I ascribe to the theory that Ken Anderson taught me. He said, I've had four perfect seasons of coaching. And the other few seasons, I won a few games. So keep that in mind. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this day that you've given us to worship you, Lord. Thank you for that message. Uh, we pray at the front of the sanctuary that that message would be uh, spirit-ordained and God-led. And, and, and lo and behold, Lord, as you do, you came through. Uh, Lord, may we put feet to that message. Uh, um, Father, I want to pray specifically for Upward. Um, as Chris said, uh, may we cast our net far. We've got a, a great stock of fish here that, uh, that we're commanded to bring in. Lord, I pray that we might be diligent about that, uh, forthright in our efforts. Be able to be dispersed, and, and as we make our way back here this evening, may everything we do bring glory to you, exalt the name of Christ, and deliver the gospel to those who need it. We ask these things in Jesus' name.